Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week, we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week, we watched Non-Stop, directed by Jaume Coyer Serra and released in 2014. In Non-Stop, Liam Neeson plays a burned-out alcoholic air marshal who struggles to find the passenger aboard his New York to London flight who has sent him anonymous messages threatening that someone on the plane will be killed every 20 minutes until $150 million is deposited into a special account. Yep, that's pretty much it. Well done on the direct pronunciation, by the way. Thanks, I looked it up before we started. Yeah. (laughs) Just in case. Yeah. I'm actually learning Spanish. Uh huh. Are you doing? How are you doing at it? Like, I'm doing okay. I'm doing it on Duolingo on my phone, and it's going okay. So, Jaume Coyesera is Spanish, and he's the director of this nonstop, which is, I think, best described as sitting in the genre of Liam Neeson movies. <laughs> um, Not in Liam, Liam Neeson movies. I remember a time when Liam Neeson didn't just do action movies. Yeah, was I, I remember that time as well. It was nice, but no, no Liam Neeson has basically done the same movie like ten Since or twelve. Taken times over yeah he's got a he's a hard-bitten grizzled action hero he's got a woman to rescue or usually a younger young girl to rescue like a daughter figure mm-hmm. um yeah and so that's what non-stop is it's i mean it's pretty fun like you you know what you as long as you uh take it in the spirit that it's intended and know what you're getting in for and it's, it's not meant to be serious it's meant to be a big dumb action flick and that's kind of what it is I think what this movie does really well that a lot of action movies don't do particularly well is maintain tension. Like, I knew who did it mm. five minutes, I think, into the movie, mm-hmm. but they do a pretty good job of playing with it and make you, making you think maybe that person didn't do it and mm-hmm. having a lot of different um, different uh, suspects and, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and they keep ratcheting up the problems as well, which is always a good tension builder. I actually enjoyed this like almost almost as pantomime like half the fun was actually and and I apologize to the four other people who were sitting in the cinema with us was like yelling stuff at the screen like oh my god what did you think would happen or <laughs> look behind you watch out Liam Neeson don't trust was, the redhead was not the brightest air marshal ever no a lot of the time I was sitting there going why why would you do that that's stupid why are you stupid but it actually kind of makes well, sense with the character cuz he's not really um I mean, he's not a great air marshal. He's nope. an alcoholic and he's, you know, um, been depressed for several years and uh, keeps sneaking off into the bathroom to smoke and drink. He's yeah. not like the... He's not really on top of things. No. And so it kind of makes sense that he's always behind. But also, I mean, he's got to keep his anger in check. There's a couple of times when you're just like, stop. Mm. Just stop for a second. Yeah. Stop. Because you know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And that was kind of always fun to me, was like actually sitting there yelling at the screen or like being like, oh, duh. And that, that was almost half the fun of the whole thing. Or laughing at the gun that floats up in front of him. Oh, my God. Yes, because a 60-year-old alcoholic's got better aim than a 33-year-old teacher who's, you know, on the ball and knows what he's doing. And he probably uh, does. I mean, given that he is the by far the best fighter in the entire movie, mm. Um yeah, true. That's probably it seems to true. indicate that he actually, you know, in terms of air marshal's ability, like it's kind. Of, the movie kind of proves the terror, the terrorists of the movie's point that because the two guys trying to hijack the plane are doing it because they don't want to have air marshals on planes because they think it's dangerous. It kind of just proves the whole point that it is kind of dangerous to have well, air marshals it's more on a plane. Dangerous to have them on the plane. Yeah, I mean, really, if Liam Neeson hadn't been on the plane, everybody would have died. 
Well, they wouldn't have because they were targeting him specifically. Yeah. But if, it, if they hadn't been specifically targeting him, everybody would have died. And so that was – so I was kind of – I was kind of on side with these two guys. I think air marshals are a stupid idea and I forget the feeling that a lot of the point of the movie was to talk about how idiotic modern security theatre is in terms of airports. That's not really the point. I was going to talk about something else. Perhaps have an air marshal who doesn't have a gun. Yeah, right. I, 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 that was more my problem. It was not that they have uh, marshals, but it's that they carry weapons on, on yeah. the guns on, on the plane, which is just – it just seems really stupid. And they're also like if anything goes wrong with a gun on a plane and you blow a hole in the fuselage, like everyone's f***ed. Apparently not. Yeah, apparently not. Um, well, they had, they had a protocol and they depressurized to a certain yeah. level. That's, that's the only reason they – Although I, I liked that they made the effort to explain that too. Like the plane had, they had to re- lower the plane to a certain level in order to equalize the pressure in order that they could blow a hole in the fuselage. I thought that was kind of like a cute little uh, tension building plot point. Yeah, there were quite a few. Actually, I think that was one of the good things about the movie as well is that the things that happen, there's a lot of things that, that you can't do in action movies now because of um, the internet and because of message text messaging and all that sort of stuff, and in this movie used all of that stuff in its favour rather than against it. Yeah, which was really cute and clever. Um, I like how they did worked the whole thing around it by making it um having the bad guys frame the main guy as the bad guy, yeah. and so he was working against pretty much everybody because everybody was against him. But it worked in mm. a really neat. But there was way. also just the passengers who were not neither good nor bad guys, just passengers caught up in this who were taking video and sending it on to people and using the social mm. media and stuff like that to frame the story before the story had even played itself out. Mm. Which I thought that was it, it. Yeah, it was very much a commentary on modern life. The whole, uh, the whole start of going through all the taking off your shoes at their security and all that. I have to admit, when I first sat down, that bit in the airport, when he's first going through the airport, is done in um really unnerving shaky cam, but it stops later on. So I started yeah, watching it. the shaky cam wasn't for the action. It was No, to, it was to show you the disorientation. Yeah, and provide the frame of mind of the guy who's, you know, drunk and Yeah, it made and me feel queasy, genuinely queasy. So I, it obviously worked. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really notice it. I only notice it when it gets bad anyway. Mm. Um, it was just more that kind of detached mm. camera, I guess. Like that floating detached kind mm. of not not anchored to anything. Yeah, it was quite um, good camera work. Because you see him like he picks out the sort of the people who will become the kind of main characters of this passenger manifest later on. But you sort of he's kind of half looks at them and you, you see him go, Oh god, there's someone in a turban and like you do that whole like racial profile. He doesn't thing. wear a turban. What's well, a little knitted hat thing? Yeah. It's a religious, it's an, an obvious religious marker, right? Yes, this guy is wearing, and he, um, he's a Muslim. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, and you see him clock all these people, and you st- and in your head you're like, oh no, don't be profiling. And of course, he he wasn't, he shouldn't have been. Pro- he, you know, this guy ends up being one of the heroes of the piece, and blah blah. Yeah, blah. but I think, I mean, I don't think that he was necessarily profiling. So, I mean. <laughs> Um, well, no, it's, in I fact, he probably the, spotted the doctor's bag. That was probably what it was. Like, yeah. But it, when you see it for the first time, you think, oh, yeah, yeah, pick out, pick on the Arab guy. Yeah, well, that's yeah. our, like, that's what we expect from it. Which yeah. I think the movie is, actually kind of does a good job of not doing mm. that. Um, mm-hmm. It could have done better with all of the, like, they rule out any women as potential suspects in five minutes. Right. And when, you're like, really? And Julianne <laughs> Moore so is annoying. real, her character is a really obvious suspect and would have it would have made for a good movie. I, I think it would have worked well if she was actually the bad guy. Yeah, but we knew who the bad guy was in five minutes. Yeah, I know, but it <laughs> could have worked. Like that kind of character could have yeah, worked Yeah, I was excited well. when I thought it might have. Or, or even um, um, 
Damn it, I knew her name all the way through the movie last night. Every time I looked at her and I, I was like, oh, it's that Michelle Dockery? Yes, thank you. Yeah. From Downton Abbey. Yeah. Um, I was like, what if she did it? That would be great. Right. I was hope. yes, me too. I was hoping like for her or Julianne Moore, it would be really cool if that would have been a cool twist. Especially the, like the woman behind him, somebody just having one of the women be more involved in the actual suspects than they were. Like they mm. just sort of threw them in there every so often as like maybe mm. rather than it being a real suspicion like a lot of the other ones. Yeah. And, and it would have been cool if the two people he thought he could trust, you know, one of them betrayed him. Or, mm. uh, yeah, I think that would have been a cool way to, way of going about it too. Um I only just realized uh, while we were talking about something that um, at one point in the movie, the two guys who did it sit next to each other. And it's one of those guys that ends up cutting the other one loose. Yeah. And you don't really realize it at the time when it's happening. Mm -hmm. You just think the other guy's being dumb because we all know who one of them is. But then also that guy is um, tied up and put in the seat and he puts his seatbelt on because he knows the cabin's about to depressurize. I mean, but, but the thing is, he he comes up to the bad guy is played by Scoot McNary. Hmm. That's the actor's name. Oh, okay. Because um, yep. you said you laughed when you saw it last night, so I figured yeah, out who yeah, that yeah. was. Um, he comes up to Liam Neeson in five minutes after the beginning of the movie and goes, "Hi, I'm going to Amsterdam. Where are you going?" And I'm like, "Oh, he's the bad guy." <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that yeah. was it. Because like, there's no reason for him to do that. No. And Liam Neeson picks up on that and then drops it for no reason mm. really no reason like it's really dumb of him to drop it mm. especially um, when he sees the guy get on the plane yeah i mean all of that mm. stuff uh, you knew five minutes in but mm. the other guy i didn't know oh see as soon as he said he was a mobile phone programmer i was like yeah that oh. was when i started being suspicious but i mean yeah. i didn't know him when we first saw him much earlier no, was he that. seems like this nice well-dressed well-spoken young man whereas the other guy seemed like he could be a he could have walked off a Occupy Wall Street site or something. Yeah. 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 When he said he was a computer programmer, that's when I started to get mm. to think it might be him. But I thought yeah. it might be a lot of – the other person might be a lot of different people. And I thought it would have been neat if the other person was Julianne Moore or mm. Michelle Dockery. I thought at one point it might be Lupita Nyong'o just because I wanted to Oh, she did not have anything to do. She had like four lines. That poor – like, ugh, guys – yeah, but they didn't know then. Yeah, I true. They, they, I suppose they didn't, but like it, it's a tiny, tiny role. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I'm, and and I like how they're pushing her as part of the pro- press for the movie and stuff because now she's got an Oscar. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, she doesn't get much to do. No. Um, but it could have been like they could have sort of had it be someone more interesting. I suppose. Yeah. No, I'm I'm totally with you. I was I was. I was sort of hoping it was Julianne Moore. I think the only person that we actually don't think it is through the whole movie is the Arabic guy. Yeah, no, that we never we never actually think of that of him as being the bad guy because well, that's just too obvious. <laughs> it is, yeah. but also when you find out, like when he does his doctoring stuff and yeah. all that sort of thing. I mean, I actually quite like Omar Mitwali. I've seen him in other things. Yeah, and I thought he was good. I liked him. But yeah, yeah, you he, never he really think it's him. Mm-hmm. There's too many kind of misleads and stuff, and you never really like. Oh, he's the husband from Rendition. Yes. Ah, all right. Yeah. So yeah, I think that was. Uh, whereas that cop, the New York City cop, I was suspicious of a lot. Right. And it didn't end up being him at all. And I was just sitting there like, "Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. No, Are he- you sure it's not Julianne Moore? Because I really think it's Julianne Moore a yeah. lot of the time. Like the other person, I knew the whole time that the teacher was it, but. Right, but the other guy, no. I it, and it, it this it could have been anyway. I guess it had to be somebody sort of mild mannered and unsuspecting, and it was him. But yeah. the other thing that got me, it was really annoying me in the whole mm. um, 
when in the beginning part, mm. you know, the long sort of let's try and figure out who it is part. Yeah. Um, they didn't clock the teacher constantly texting for some reason. Like he was like, "Oh, circle all the people who were texting," but nobody kept kept keeping an eye on one of them to see if they were looking mm. at their phone every time that the text came through. Like I thought they that do would have been... flag his name though. They do, but like they do it with a whole bunch of other people, mm-hmm. and then there's no point at which they sort of go let's just keep watching like right and it's not until he says amsterdam that he remembers and then, like then that, he that's right a- he, they flag him because of the amsterdam thing not because he's texting well clearly he's obviously better at it than the others like he's but he's able to do this kind of thing I, oh, sorry. it's radio not television melissa he's able to like you know subtly text without looking like he's not doing it or yeah i know but mm. it, i mean there he it would have been fairly obvious to see him check because he would have had to read the messages. Yeah. It would have been fairly obvious, I would think, to see him check the phone you know every what? so often. I bet and that really he's annoyed He's wearing me. glasses, Google Glass. He had Google Glass on. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, that's totally um, what it, it was. wasn't. It didn't look like it. Just, they just looked like glasses. But, yeah, it was. I that bothered me because like, mm-hmm. I was like – it was another thing where Liam Neeson was just dumb. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're like – Okay, you have extra people that you are trying to get to help you. Yeah. Use those people properly. Like, stop just, you know, they're they're so unfocused. He was so unfocused Mm -hmm. in his investigation. It was so all over the place. (laughs) And he sort of, like, stomps around like an elephant in a china shop. He turns on all the lights and he wakes everybody up and he's, put your hands in the air. And, like, he's a real, he's a real dick about it. Well, they had to be, otherwise the plot wouldn't have worked. Yeah, right. He had to had to like stomp around. He was the least subtle secret agent ever. Maybe that's why they picked him. Yeah, probably. Yeah, subtle. I, I kept saying that. Mm-hmm. Really subtle. That was really subtle. Mm. Having massive fight in the in the toilet. That was really subtle. Good yeah, job. they're Very occupied. <laughs> so terrible. And then like, uh, when he was, even when they were looking for the people who were on their phones, he was standing in the doorway with the only light shining on him, staring at everybody. And you're like, like "Good job." Mm-hmm. There's no way he's going to try and hide it now. Mm. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Yeah, at least that. Um, Close the petition. The or flight something. attendants, like you could tell, she was scared, but she was like, she was trying to hide it. He was not even trying to hide that he was. He was like, we're being stealth, everybody. Hi, <laughs> look at me. I'm being stealth. Hello. Yeah, Michelle Dockery was much more competent than he was in the movie. Yeah. All of the people, all of the, the pilots and everybody were very competent, which was nice to see. Right. Yeah. That, well, it, that was actually a, a nice thing to see because you sort of – pilots and uh, flight attendants and crew are really invisible when you fly, but they've actually got an important job to do, which is keeping the passengers safe. Like they've got a, They do a whole lot of stuff that you don't see as a passenger mm. uh, in terms of knowing all the procedures and what to do with – in terms of safety and all that kind of thing. And you don't often see that job being done and you could actually see a respect for the job that they do. And like, she's the cabin captain and she's got to run the cabin and the pilot and the co-pilot have to run the cockpit. And there's all, you see how the roles work and all that kind of stuff. And I thought that was, was I mean, that's been in other profession, but like, yeah, yeah, it was, they were treated kind of respectfully. Yeah. And I actually kind of really liked Julianne Moore's character. Like, oh no, totally. Me too. I kind of wanted her to be the bad guy, yeah. um, just because I thought that would have been fun. But I also thought she was a really neat, fun character. She brought a lot to that. Mm. I mean, it would have been a really thin role, I think, but she brought a lot to it. And right. It was well, the part of the reason cliched we, but cute. I actually went along to see this and actually shelled out money to watch it. The actors involved. It's quite a decent cast. Yeah, particularly the actresses involved are certainly 
better than the material might suggest. Like, yeah. It's not um, – a lot of Liam Neeson movies are like a TV actor – is it like a Michelle Dockery, a TV actor trying to make a break into movies? Or say Maggie Grace. The Maggie, yes, <laughs> that's why I was thinking Maggie Grace, you see. But like they're good actors and they do a pretty good job of it. Um, yeah. And, um, I, I mean, mean well. it seems like maybe Julianne Moore took it because it looked like fun or something. Right. I mean, it, that is basically it. It is fun. It isn't – uh, I've seen a lot of really long, boring movies recently. <laughs> like okay. a lot of them. Yeah. Um, or it seems like a lot of them. There were two in a row and I was just like, oh, my God. I think sometimes movies get really full of themselves mm. and it's fun to remind ourselves of, you know, yeah. the other end of movies where they're just big, fun action movies mm. that don't have to be too – I mean, it's not, you know, overly violent. It's not overly sexist. It's not overly anything. It's just a big fun action movie. Mm. And it has some cute ideas and neat little twists and stuff like that. Yeah, it, it, that that seems reasonable enough. And perhaps even Julianne Moore gets bothered by um, worthy movies all the time, gets bored by worthy movies all the time. Well, she does a lot of movies, though. I mean, she did yeah. Children of Men as well. And um, mm-hmm. I think she does quite a few movies like this but my brain's sort of not providing me with anything other than children of men mm, I'm on the- which is amazing yeah and also an action movie it is both an action movie and amazing because mm-hmm. that can happen sometimes contrary to popular belief she's going to be in um the next hunger games yes she's president coin i'm very excited yeah so she pops into yeah she you're, you're right and she had that whole run on 30 rock and she um she does a bunch of different things you know what i really liked in the movie Mm. That little bit where they had the broken screen and mm. they put all this swearing up and you couldn't see it because yes. it was across the broken part of the screen. I loved that. Yeah. That was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought that was the cutest little like, Yeah, it's got a PG-13 rating. Yeah. yeah. Clever. It was just so cute and funny and silly and mm. I just really liked that. And I liked things like the the way that the text was set. Like you could see all the text that came up on the screen, but they were kind of – um. There was something really interesting going on with the um, perspective. Yeah. In that sometimes things went over the top of them. Oh, right. And so sometimes they were, they were sort of front, sometimes they were back. Yeah. So they were sort of up against Liam Neeson. So some things that mm. came in front of Liam Neeson went in front of the text. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting. And like the opening <laughs> title mm. was really pretty. Yes. It had this wet window and then nonstop behind it. Mm. Um, and there were some good things with like perspective and and deep focus and mm. it looked really nice i think that this director could be quite talented and could do quite well in the future because it had some mm. really really quirky cute visual touches to it mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah and i feel like this might be one of those like taking off kind of things where he'll get to do more stuff in the future kind mm. of like um um mia jovovic's husband oh yeah that guy the french director who has done Jean-Luc some bad Besson? things. Yes. Mm-hmm. Who's done some bad things, but also some good things and has a really well, good visual style. Right. I think so this guy could be this like This guy, that. Um, Jamey Coyesera, um, he's done, his first movie was House of Wax, the Paris Hilton one, and he's done- With Jared Padalecki in it. I've seen that. There you go. He did. He's done another Liam Neeson movie, Unknown, and a movie called Orphan that looks kind of interesting just based on the poster. It looks like oh, is that a creepy the one with little, little girl, girl? Yeah, movie. I know that There's movie. There's something wrong with Esther. Yeah, yeah, I know that movie. That looks cool. I know the twist in that movie because I mm. went through this period where I 
I was at my mum's place and I kept watching all these horror movie mm. trailers and then I read about them all on Wikipedia. Oh, dear. <laughs> so I know what happens in a bunch of them. Yeah, so he looks kind of like he's got an interesting sort of body of work. I mean, he's also got – yeah, he he sort of seems to be working with Liam Neeson a bit lately, but he's done a few but often kind of interesting things. from the pictures I've seen of it, it has, int- has a good visual mm. style to it as well. Well, it's, I, I'm looking at all – four of the movies he's best known for in their posters next to each other on his IMDb page. Mm. And they've all got a quite a consistent visual style about them. Yeah. It's quite, they're sort of muted and gray, but there's also like there's interesting focus things happening with the camera in each of them. Yeah. That seems mm. like what his visual style was coming out in. Mm. Yeah. It's but dis- I feel like distinctive yeah. and good. I feel like if he's given some good material, he could probably do quite some quite good things with it. Cause this yeah. was really um, like he took the script and gave it a lot of life. Hmm. I think because it was. I mean, it's a very, very cliched script for most of the right. time, and it, it it's essentially sort of a B movie lifted a, yeah. by the presence of some good talent involved. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's the ribbon thing, and it's so cheesy. Yeah. Uh, and then there's this, well, the whole there's, there's, there's daughter plot hole. is so cheesy. There's one hole in the whole plane, and it happens to blow right next to the little girl. All of that stuff. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the end of it was like. Some really awesome cheese and some really terrible cheese. But some really awesome cheese, like Kyle, the pilot, trying to land it. Like, go, he's Kyle! Because he's he's to himself. He's like, go, Kyle, you can do it. And in the audience, again, this pantomime thing, go, Kyle! Go, yeah. Kyle! Yeah, I was like that. It would be really fun to be able to watch it with a bunch of people who also liked yelling at the screen. That would be great. And it does a good job of building you and mm. building it and also engaging you with it. Mm. Like the characters are quite engaging and interesting and you kind of like there's a lot of characters who end up doubting him and not liking him and you side with them a lot of the time. Yeah. You're like, which is actually quite clever really because um, it keeps that suspense of who's the other person who's um, the bad guy and it also means that you are simultaneously liking these people and wondering if they've done – if they're mm. part of the conspiracy. Mm-hmm. You just You just reminded me there's – a time, and I think it might be Michelle Dockery's character who does this, where she ta- she really took me along. Like I was really scared with her, mm. along with her at the same time. And just oh, it, it's um Nancy. That's her character's name. No, no, that's oh right. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yes, you're right. She's Nancy. Um, but then like also the bit where he's in the bathroom and he figures out that there's a hole. Oh yeah, in that the was wall. fun. That I was. I you follow along. You kind of feel the tension build, and you, you feel scared. Why are you like, hmm. what the hell is he going to find? Oh, my God, what's going to happen? Like you, it was really good at taking you along on that. You definitely can put yourself in their shoes. Quite- Finding the bomb in the cocaine was good. Mm. I liked that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like there were – I mean, the dialogue was pretty terrible, but there were some cute little clever touches mm. through it. Well, there was also like when he's uh, going through and patting down all these passengers, He most of them are like fairly compliant and they get to it. But he gets to the – like there's one black guy who needs to be patted down and he wants to see his phone. <laughs> and you can understand – because you you put your shoes yourself in the shoes of this guy who probably gets stopped and frisked all the time, and you know just for you know well, being on a plane yeah, while up black until you find out why he doesn't want to hand over his phone, and then yeah. you're like you're a dick. Yeah. Well, no, but yes, he is. But at the same time, it's not just that he's got gross pictures on there. It's that he's it's the um the way that like the, all the white people will just go along with the security theater, like oh I've got nothing to hide. You can frisk me. And he's like, 
no, why why are you trying to frisk me? What what have I done? You don't have any right to do this kind of. What yeah, you're, him and then the Muslim guy is yeah. just like scared. Yeah, the Muslim guy is scared because he's like, oh, God, every time I fly, this happens. And then yeah. the, the black guy is like, no, I am sick of you big white policemen trying to pull one over me like this. So that was that was kind of the interesting little politics of around the different characters and how they react to him being there. And I liked the little powwow as well of all the guys in the back of the plane. Mm talking about him that was quite fun that was that was um, that's an interesting little callback to what really happened on September 11 yeah um the that Mark Bingham guy and the ones who brought the plane down that the one that didn't hit the target yeah yeah and when you when they all attack him you're like you kind of side with them yeah you're like yeah this makes sense but also didn't did, well, wrong well, you <laughs> sort of die. go like <laughs> if it were me on the plane like I would hope that I would be among the passengers who are trying to take control of the situation because clearly this guy is kind of deranged. Mm. I, he, he might and be right after that was nice actually yeah. I quite liked that whole scene that was a good scene yeah well it worked, think, ended up working well mm. I think the whole movie I think one of the reasons the movie was fun was because it just kind of works mm. like it, it makes sense it works it sort of has its own mm. thing going on and it's very very consistent with that thing um, it's a good little pot boiler in a plane. Mm. You don't have any action apart from the very beginning and the very end outside the plane. Uh, yep. It's really clever of them not to show the guy that um, Liam Neeson is talking to outside the plane until the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. I thought that was good. So, yep. yeah, it. I mean, it's not, it's not aiming for anything huge. It's not doing anything, you know, enormous and special and amazing, but it knows what it's doing and it does it to a really successful degree. Yeah. Agreed. So, like, as a action movie in a plane, this is a really good action movie in a plane. Mm-hmm. And we haven't really had a really good action movie in a plane since, like, Air Force One or something with Harrison mm-hmm. Ford ages mm-hmm. ago. So Yeah, yeah, you, you're right. There hasn't. And it's a plane is a fantastic setting for an action movie because there's a whole lot of tension. It's really easy to ratchet up the tension in And Air plane. Force One was way before a lot of the technology that's come in. So when you've added all of the technology, this is a good new, mm. a nice new twist, a nice new take on it. I think also one of the reasons why I wanted to see this and I didn't want to see stuff like The Grey is that it's not as dour and depressing as some of the recent Liam Neeson action mm. movies. Yeah, there's no like the, the the daughter subplot isn't as overt as is in the other it's like she's not been kidnapped oh, and there's sad, no violence. But, but there's no violence being committed against her or anything. Like she's not the, yeah. the thing about like Taken and those ones is that the daughter is like being kidnapped and there's a chance she'd be raped and treated horribly and there's horrible violence involved. But this is more like he lost his daughter and it was horrible and sad and it's caused him all these problems, but it's not this, quite the same. Yeah, but that's more like, um, th- I mean, that that's a normal sort of action hero backstory kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah, more, yeah, yeah. More than it's currently an issue. It's something that happened to him a long time right. ago. We more, don't it's have like, to sit through the daughter no, dying of cancer. That's or right. It's it's actually it's a lot like the backstory for um Sandra Bullock's character in um Gravity. Gravity, yeah. 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 So yeah, exactly. And Gravity was that role was originally written for a man, so uh Yeah, the whole kind it of is a fairly, having to rescue blah blah blah. Story. It is a fairly standard one and it's it's mm. but it's it means that we don't have to deal with that while it's on screen. No. No. Uh and it's not depressing, it's not you know, it, I, the grey seemed really, really hard going and depressing to me. I didn't see it. I but don't know what the grey is. That's the one where he fights wolves. Oh yeah, no. You know how we watched um, mm-hmm. um, MythBusters and it had the sticks with the shotgun shells oh, on the end and yeah, they were whacking yeah. the wolf. Uh-huh. That was the grey. <laughs> oh, right there, you go. I... I didn't see it, but yeah, it's Liam Neeson. The, mm. the, the, there's a he's in a plane. It goes down, and a bunch of them have to fight that, wolves. That does look a bit sad 
But it just looks so it's directed like, by oh. Joel Car- uh, Joe Carnahan though. He was he's awesome. I love the A Team and Smoking Aces. <laughs> okay, but yeah, um, I can understand why you wouldn't want to watch that one. Does look a bit. For a second, I thought that was the guy who directed um um that movie with the green dress that I don't like. Mm. Starts with A. Atonement. Oh no no no! That's um Joe Wright. Yeah, it's yeah no he's Joe. British. Yeah yeah no, I understand. I I, I don't like Atonement very much. Um, yeah. It does have an amazing long shot on a beach, though. Yeah, Atonement is, um, it's a difficult book, and the adaptation of the book is excellent, but it's not, um, I find the book difficult. I didn't necessarily agree with the way it went, and you don't like, your lead character is, like, hideously unlikable, so it's kind of difficult. Mm. I read an interesting thing the other day about how female characters in books get called unlikable. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're complicated, whereas male characters don't. That's interesting. They have shades of grey and they're not called unlikable. Mm. I'm sure I've called several male characters I was going to say, I'm pretty sure I've called, I'm pretty sure I did but, it recently. We were talking about Breaking Bad or something. Yeah. Um, and I've just watched. But I think it's more of a societal yeah. and cultural issue than yeah. ours particularly. I mm. find several male characters extraordinarily unlikable. Yeah, well, I mean, Breaking Bad would be the top example, but things like The Sopranos have that that sort of unlikable male lead and mm. it's quite common. It's, but but all these know, examples of television, yeah. Um, I was thinking about this recently, the whole TV craze of having morally grey white men leading a cast of morally grey characters yeah. in some sort of politically complicated world or oh, morally complicated world. Oh, House of Cards, there's another world. one. Yeah. House of Cards, House of Lies. Um, House of Cards has a black lead, but it's basically the same. House of Lies. You, you mean um, House of Lies? House, which one's which? House of Cards is Kevin Spacey. <laughs> House of Lies is the um, Veronica Mars. Don Cheadle is the lead. In yeah, right, in right. Yeah. One of, they're practically called the same thing. I know. <laughs> they're just kind of different shows, that's all. Sorry. I obviously get them mixed up. Yeah. But it's still really similar. House of Lies is still really similar. Mm-hmm. Um, Breaking um, Bad, Dexter. Um, yep. Mad Men. Um, yeah, full of. True Detectives. Um, everything, everything. Right, you now. could easily de- shoot down that person's argument then because. Yes, the lead in Atonement is a woman, but and she's no, unlikable. No, 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 but that's but... not what I mean. They don't get called unlikable. Don't they? No, they get called morally grey, and people love, love um, Walter White. Absolutely love him. Mm. So, yeah, that's the thing is that it's a, it's a sult- uh, cultural and societal problem that oh. that happens. Right, because, see, I'm, I always think of these characters as unlikable, and every time I've yeah, written about them, I've always talked – and the re- things I read about them it, describe them as unlikable, but I have a lot of feminist media in my world. Mm. But, yeah, so um, I'm a bit torn as to what star grade to give this. 2.5 is my instinct. Two and a half stars is my instinct. But then, like, in talking about it, I feel – feel a bit sympathetic towards it like they oh, they tried hard is there any well that then because i've been talking do you have anything that you don't like about the movie then specifically uh i just the the reason i would mark it down to like a 50 or a 60 out of 100 is like is it's to do with cliche mm. and um just being a bit boring and having the lead man his having his backstory be all about trying to rescue a little girl and that kind of, you know, uh, structural sexism stuff. Mm. It's not, yeah, it's not like a bad movie. It's just like an average movie. Like, I, yeah, I enjoyed it, but it's not great cinema. 
Like I had fun going to see it, but I wouldn't be like, oh my God, you must rush out and see this movie to my friends. No. So I, I feel like it probably has only really earned like a two and a half, but then maybe it's worth a three for like effort. <laughs> well, see, I have watched a lot of average movies mm. and they feel average to me. And I think this one is elevated slightly above being average because it does it, it knows what it's doing and it does it well. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like average movies know what they're doing and they have all these missteps and falters along the way Mm -hmm. to getting there. Um, I think this one didn't really have a lot of those. It sort of made sense from beginning to end in, in, in terms of its own Mm -hmm. world. Yeah. So maybe it is worth a three. It kind of makes sense. So Mm. I'm going to give it a three Mm. personally. I'm not trying to affect what you give it, Yeah. but that's how I feel because I, I watch so many movies. And I feel like if I if it's average but I enjoy it, I go three. And if it's average but I don't really enjoy it, I go two and a half or two. So mm. that's how I rate things, not necessarily how you have to rate I things. Had, yeah, I had a great experience watching it. So I will have to say, yeah, I have to say a three because I did have fun watching it. So I'll give it a three. I mean, there's been some where I've had fun, but they were clearly terrible. Mm. But this wasn't terrible. It was no. like It was like an average action movie, but it was lifted by some certain – points yeah you know little bits about it that lifted it by everybody giving their best at the sort of average material yeah like for a monday night getting out of the house it was fun yeah so so yeah three stars for me cool all right i suppose we should wind this this thing up Thanks very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you want to download this episode or others or look up old episodes or just find out more about us or find the show notes, you can do that on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's blog and her reviews of this and all the other movies she watches, you can do that on her blog, which is silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. You can also find us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter at screen underscore queens or you can find us on Tumblr, tumblr tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. Thank you very much. Bye. We'll get to reblog lots of Lupita again this week because she's in the movie. Woohoo. Bye. It's never – we reblog Lupita even if she's not in the movie. I know, but, you know, it'll be be topical again. She's like Lady Cumberbatch. Lady Hiddles. We yeah, Lady like Hiddles. Hiddles. We I don't them. I don't mind Cumberbatch, but I prefer Hiddles. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, bye. All right, bye.